Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast. I mean, the state of play is a bunch of shit right now, guys, unfortunately. The game's gone, officially. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Matt Santangelo. How are you doing, mate? As good as it possibly can be. Uh, Milan victory on the weekend, of course, which is always good. But, but it means nothing now, Matt. It means it, nothing. No. The top four Especially means nothing because anymore. Because obviously they're having a hand in what we're going to talk about soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as always, Martino as well. Yeah, basically uh, Milan worked this hard for uh, years now and all the fans were anticipating top four and it doesn't mean shit. So that's uh, <laughs> just going through sleepless nights and having to worry and scoreboard watch every single week. So uh, this is what we get, you know, on top of being banned from Europa League too. That was, uh, it's all great. It's fine. It's all good. All good. Uh, we're joined by two regular guests at this point. Uh, one that we're very lucky to have because uh, there was a bit of Spurs news that snuck under the under the door today as well this morning. Um, Harry Brooks, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks guys. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, as well as you can be. Uh, and yeah, yeah. last but not least, Mo Ali, how are you, mate? Good, thanks. Um, echoing the same statements that it's really all gone to shit. Um, and I was one of the very few people that was excited about the Europa Conference League, but that's, yeah, that's not happening now, is it? <laughs> well, it might do. I mean, we can discuss how all these things kind of kind of come into to place. But um, look, like Harry, I think I said to you on WhatsApp, it'd be great if we just got like five minutes of your thoughts on basically <laughs> what the hell has happened with, with Mourinho, because to me obviously this hasn't been a decision that's just been done overnight Levy's not just been like right lads we've got the money from the Super League like let's we've got enough money to sack him now this would have taken lawyers and accountants and there's his agents law yeah, yeah as mentioned lawyers from both sides like uh yeah give us a quick five minutes like what how has this happened why was it announced today like it seems a bit nutty doesn't it yeah I mean I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything to do with the European Super League. Um, all the Spurs mouthpieces that you can trust said that the decision was made after the Everton game. Um, to be honest, it's been going that way for a while. You can see it happening. There's just been that lack of, I don't want to use the word identity, but just sort of, just seems to be lack of anything really at the moment with the club. And it was only going one way. Um, you know, the results have been abysmal recently. Um, and we all know that Levy isn't afraid to pull the trigger. I think this one he would have felt really hard done by to do in the sense of, I think he's, I think he was desperate for it to work in the sense of he's, he's chased Mourinho for a long time. um, According to people that would know, Um, obviously he was seen as the one that would come in and maybe take Spurs over that last little finish line, the last hurdle. Um, But it just hasn't worked. Um, I think it's a great shame. Um, you know, I am a big fan of Mourinho. Um, I still am, but there's no questions. There's no doubt that he, he didn't do the job that was he was brought in to do, um, as bluntly as that. And he knows that. Obviously, there can be lots of different reasons. It's not just on him, but um, he's obviously a huge part of it. And I think there are big misconceptions about what Mourinho is and what he was. I'm happy to talk about them if you want, but... Sure. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was inevitable. It was coming. It's just, I guess, I guess, because of the European Super League, because of the Cup final, it was just a bit of a shock to everyone that it was announced today. <laughs> mm. Mm. Absolutely. I was going to ask you actually. You took the words out of my mouth. Like the timing 
Uh, was yeah. it the best thing to do for Spurs because it was just swept under the rug or, or the worst? I haven't got a, I haven't got a fucking scoop. <laughs> I, I, I have not got an idea. It's just, it, it's almost surreal. It's like a reality TV series mm. football right now. It's, I have no idea what this is going to do. I just, you know, if you look at someone like Harry Kane, uh, I, what must be going through his head? I just, <laughs> is there going to be any focus on the cup final this Sunday? Now he's, good friend is managing him I just I don't even know it's just it's absolutely bonkers all of it um, will it give the players a lift oh, I just I, it's too early to say what this is going to do it's hard it's hard to make any it's this this, this season has been the bonkers most bonkers season out of anyone's lifetime as it is oh, let alone let alone this news in the last two days so making any predictions about anything right now is is ridiculous for all I know Gunnosaurus is going to be the next Arsenal manager that's that that would that would make me about as much sense as anything right now. So, uh, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, uh, Matt, I want to throw to you quickly because obviously we don't want to talk about Mourinho. Uh, I mean, on another episode, it's weird. This would be like all we talk about. But um, last night, late last night, uh, you know, we had this announcement that the European Super League was a reality, really. Just want to get your your initial thoughts on that. Like what was going through your head and... When did it really kick in that this was a thing that was happening? This was, you know, what's strange is that you see so many different rumors, uh, potential news about to break in the buildup of something like this, right? Throughout a season. I mean, we've, we've heard about something like this in the 2018 football leagues era, right? Remember when the news about city PSG and the, 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 the news about them being banned, transfer bans, what they're going to be slapped with, fined with, all that stuff came out. Well, the Super League was in that. There was leaked documents. There were um, lists of clubs to partake in it. And everyone looks at it. Ah, this is this is just a rumor, you know, because rumors are rumors. We're so caught up in that with the transfer market that this feels like one of those other things. It's too, it's not going to happen. And then you see th- where the money goes in the sport and how things progress over a span of one year, five years, 10 years. And I know we were talking about this with Harry, you know, you kind of feel like it was inevitable nineties, the two thousands. And it's all like a buildup, a culmination of one big massive bombshell that we see here with the announcement of the uh, European super league. My initial reaction to it wasn't so much shock. It was so much that I was trying to one, get all the information to absorb it and really kind of assess what the situation is and what could potentially be. And what the um, collateral damage would be for this announcement. Obviously, more news is coming in. As we record, there was uh, something, I think, from a, one of the Danish individuals who is, is a part of UEFA, pretty much saying that Madrid, Chelsea, and um, City will be disqualified from the Champions League, which is crazy because this match is supposed to be played very soon. And that's kind of how I feel right now. The way we've seen this sport change so much as a result of massive massive amounts of money tv rights deals the whole mess with corruption with fifa and uefa and whatever it all feels like a reality show it doesn't feel like it's actually real but to say that i would be i'm stunned it's actually gotten to this point when you consider the parties at play you know the the biggest clubs the clubs with the most money the clubs in the biggest leagues that has so much pull that has so much success with the biggest players right and it's it's a sad day for sure. Um, obviously, in my opinion, my my honest opinion, I think there is a possibility that this 
doesn't take place with a lot of pushback. It's going to take a lot of pushback from fans, from, um, you know, maybe Bayern Munich, Dortmund, maybe PSG, although people are speculative on what their stance is going to be uh, moving forward. Do they maybe jump in later on, whatever the case may be. And then you're getting the players and you're seeing some of the reaction from some of these players um, today, right? Mesut Ozil, um, Bruno Fernandez, um, the list goes on and on and they're not going to be the first. And then you're seeing the fans, which is the most saddening thing for me because, um, you know, like Liverpool, you'll never walk alone. It's all, we, we have this sort of camaraderie, this community and culture built within the football um, spectrum. And it's so beautiful. It's so special. And it's what makes this game so unique and great for everyone of us talking here. And then you see, and you kind of reflect on what the, again, collateral damage will be. What will, how much will this change the game? Right. Because this isn't one of those, oh, okay, well, this team has a transfer ban or this team has been fined for this or that. And like a one-off case, like this is a moment that's going to change the game forever for decades. Right. And the uncertainty is what frightens a lot of people, especially those at the bottom of, of the totem pole. You know, some of these smaller clubs that really rely on some of these big these big powers to kind of, you know, carry at times some of these leagues and some of these competitions. So that's kind of how I feel. I'm still trying to get all the information. And I just want to say to the listener of this once 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 we do publish this episode is to be careful where you're getting your information from. Be careful where you're sharing that information because I'm seeing a lot of like pure speculation that's just false, that's dishonest, and that's just strictly out there to get reaction, retweets, and likes. I saw that yesterday. Several accounts saying this team's going to be banned from the Champions League without having this sort of official release. So we're getting a lot of news at this time, of course. Um, and right now it's, it's one of those things where I'm still trying to process everything, to be quite honest with you. Um, as a fan of Milan, who are one of the, the, the 12 to 15 teams that have been um, confirmed, you know, I can't say that, you know, the money that Milan would make from this could be potentially like amazing on a, on a pure footballing market standpoint, right? Because we all know Milan's difficulties in seven, eight years of being able to get into the Champions League. You know, me and Martino and, and all of us were talking about this. You know, they spend all these years to cr- scratch, claw, to get back to a competition that many associate them with, that they've built such storied success on, offer to be nothing. And that's really disappointing to me as a Milan fan um, with the news that obviously they're one of the teams that are involved as a founding club. Mm. It's quite the opening soliloquy. Um, Mo, I want to throw to you, uh, not had a say yet, but I've seen you on Twitter, <laughs> very impassioned, some, some really, uh, really strong tweeting. Um, what were your thoughts and like, yeah, I mean, I don't really have the words anymore. I've been talking about this all day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was just brazen. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, I think Matt um, said, you know, what everyone's thinking essentially. And I think um, it's it's really self-serving from, from the 12 clubs. I mean, fair enough. It's, you know, everyone's facing a COVID-interrupted season financially. They're looking um, to, to, to protect their revenue streams, which they have a right to do. But to do it in a way which cuts um, adrift what is it, 53 European leagues and and, and the, the whole pyramid mm. is is ridiculous. And I think the best way that I can put input is 
um, speaking from from my vantage point, where my club would not be um, in the 15 at the moment, or the, the the expected 15, certainly not the 12 that were announced yesterday. And even if that does stretch to 20 clubs, and you know the idea is that a second French club or an extra Italian club, um, and maybe you know the next best teams in in Italy. Uh, sorry, in Spain or, or, or Germany or, or like Ajax would, would get in. There's no guarantee that we'd get in at all. So what does that mean for the next, you know, 12 to 24 months? I mean, Marseille, like Arsenal, like Milan, like Valencia in particular, are clubs who had uh, fairly successful uh, periods in, in the 2000s and in the, in the last maybe five to seven years have struggled uh, for, for varying reasons, but, you know, in particular for Milan and for Valencia and for OM, it's been managerial changes and low league finishes and a bit of chaos. Um, but it's all taken sort of, you know, the fact that, you know, one day that you can return to some sort of form of glory. And for those clubs, you know, there have been varying levels of success. You know, European League semi-finals, finals. For Milan, there's the, the title challenge this year and the, the hope that they'll return to the Champions League next year. So, there is or was light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what essentially, you know, as football fans, we hope for. We hope for, you know, the best outcomes with in, in the best environments and and looking forward to those those special sort of moments where titles, cups or European nights are are in play. And for, for OM, that's just completely shut out from you know because of this I mean thankfully yes the the whole of the French football ecosystem and and then Germany as well have have said no um and are looking to um you know stay stay with UEFA I don't I don't know for how long that will hold but you know for for a club that is you know massive still I mean I know it might sound a little bit exaggerated particularly for any younger listeners um but um, you know, Marseille in particular are still a huge club in, in, in particularly in France, um, and and in, in certain places in the world, but they are not or would not be in European Super League, they would not have the same infrastructure. It's not even a case of why are you know why are Spurs and then why aren't we in it? But it, it's just it goes to show that in the new footballing sort of landscape, there are big clubs with huge fan bases that will completely be cut adrift with with limiting revenues with with um sort of nothing to hold on to and playing in in weakened competitions only because these 12 to 15 clubs want a higher share of the pie they don't want promotion relegation they don't want um an, an open shop they don't want sporting merit they you know they want to basically engage in what I think is, is is daylight robbery for for 100 150 years of of European uh, football and the peak of European football, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess everybody is going to be sort of spitting feathers at this, and you know, the fallout were only on Monday. The fallout will continue. In fact, I've just seen. Um, I know Max mentioned, you know, that there's a lot of news flying about, and you can't really take everything at first glance. But we're actually now at this point where UEFA are openly now talking about excluding uh, certain teams from the Champions League. And I think that will follow for the Europa League as well. So expect that to happen by the end of the week. And again, what is the end benefit for this? What is, no one has come out and said what the benefits of a European Super League are. They are 
you know, it's it's all hypothetical at the moment. And it's all about, well, we want the best players to play against each other, the best teams to face against each other and revenue. You know, we'll have eyeballs, we'll have sponsorships, etc. And we'll, you know, we'll reach four billion a year. And of that four billion, we will divide that between the clubs. Um, but Mo, I, I, no, really, yeah. I really like Kinder Buenos, right? But if yeah. I had a Kinder Bueno every day, I probably wouldn't like them as much. Oh, exactly. And I loved and I loved watching Bayern PSG. <laughs> it was amazing, right? Like the highest level of sporting quality, the highest level of football that you could watch. Bappe, yeah. Neymar, Kimmich, um, Neuer. Like it was incredible. But if that happened, um, every, like I was, I was saying, um, I was just recording an Arsenal podcast, I don't really know how I'd feel if there were six North London derbies a season. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the World Cup and, and the Euro, for example. I mean, the Euro up until the expansion of 2014 was an excellent tournament. Um, like from the first games, there were there were great matches. And, you know, you knew that with one game, um, you could be eliminated, you know, essentially if you had a, a very poor game. And you've had still romanticism where, you know, Greece won it. You had, you know, teams like Iceland going really, really far. And, you know, there are avenues for sporting merit just to have the same teams playing over and over again does not does not um entice sort of anybody i don't really understand i i like the point i was about to make was that they're talking about this significant revenue projections etc what if actually you're right you know in a couple of years interest and viewership fades or they're unable to get these you know significant revenues they've been promised because broadcasters are pulling out other teams are pulling up. What if they do go ahead and say, do you know what, we're going to go ahead and do this. Mm. You're going to be in a situation where you've promised the world, you've delivered very, very little, um, and now you're screwed. And in the case of these 12 clubs, they're now out of these institutions. Like, whatever happens today, whether ESL goes on or doesn't go on, teams like Arsenal, Milan, um, Chelsea, Tottenham, etc., have had a long, long history of being on the European Club Association, of being members of the club committees of shaping the games, long, long history. You, mm. you know, remember G7, G14, all that sort of stuff. That's all gone. Absolutely. Whether it happens or not, it's all up. It's Absolutely. All gone, you know, we're not going to have... People don't get for, this. Uh, yeah. People don't get this. It's not what's happened over the last two days and whether it will happen or it won't happen. It's the intent, right? Exactly. The intent from the Premier League clubs... The, the Spanish uh, clubs and the Italian clubs that's been set out is basically saying that they want to do something that doesn't really care about the values of football, the fans, uh, the clubs below them in the footballing pyramid. That is what this statement and this action does. And I, I just feel that like people are really getting... Uh, ahead of themselves about whether or not it happens or not like for me i don't really care at this point like the intent is enough like it's you know it's not as as drastic but like if you attempt to murder someone and, and don't succeed yeah. it's, it's not good right um yeah uh, i just don't know it just it just feels like for me well, the intent like, is just as bad like you has just said this afternoon there are snakes in the grass you know and you're not going to trust them again and whatever no. happens Whatever happens in in the short to medium term, you're not going to have these big clubs, storied clubs, and it's the fans, obviously, you know, great fan bases. Um, you know, you've got, for example, the AST, the Chelsea Sports Trust. Um, you know, Liverpool, for example, you've got great organisations, fan organisations that really felt like they did have a say, and that's all been sidelined. 
because for, for, for these directors, for these board members, for, for Joel Glazer, who's never given one interview in 16 years of only Manchester United and couldn't give a toss mm. about people living in the M postcode. Um, you know, they're run, running the show essentially. So, you know, these clubs are now, they're outside the football ecosystem at the moment. They're not going to be shaping any competitions. They're not going to be helping to, to, to do rules and, you know, you know, engage in new things like, you know, IFAB rules or, or, or uh, goal line technology, VAR, you know, things that they've been really uh, active on the last couple of years, that's all gone. And for what? It's my reasoning, particularly, for example, at Arsenal. Um, you know, what is the benefit of a club like this going against its fans and signing up for, you know, they talk about the young generation, you know, fans, newer fans, younger fans, um, really not being interested in football. You know, Agnelli once said that actually fans don't really care um, other than watching the last 15 minutes or, or YouTubing the highlights, etc. cetera. Um, you know, the TikTok generation, so to speak, less, less, um, interest in maybe supporting either two clubs or supporting players and not clubs, but there are millions, hundreds of millions at least around the world who are, you know, what, you know, for some reason they've, they've called legacy fans who still follow their clubs, who wake up at God knows what time, who, who you know, are the traditional fan in the sense that they support that a legacy fan, watch everything. Exactly. It's, it's just a complete disgrace. So, my personal opinion, just to pretend this, is that, and I'm sorry because obviously we've got Tottenham and Arsenal and Milan fans <laughs> in this, you know, as a Marseille fan, is, is truthfully, if they burn all to the ground tomorrow, I couldn't give a toss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's going to be protests at the Emirates tonight, apparently. Like, I only live 10 oh, minutes well, away. So, like, yeah. I, like, there is going to be significant backlash. And I think, uh, you know, the, the only way I can see this being bookended as a as a situation to, to steal your phrase thermo is you know the players refuse to play um there is like a crazy amount of virality and some sort of petitions from fans uh there is a convergence of these two europe now european entities i suppose or for there's government intervention and, and look mo harry you know we, we know what the governments are like here in, in in the uk whichever party you look at it would be a terrible idea for that to happen so um Look, Martina, I want to throw to you quickly because <laughs> um, getting away from the UK government as it is regulating uh, English football would actually make me feel a bit queasy. Um, I I want to get your point of view because there's a lot of chat from UEFA now, which is kind of like, you know, what they're doing to fans is a disgrace, like the hypocrisy around that and like, you know, where was this attitude when we saw racist abuse against Glenn Carrara? And how can you, oh, you know, give a, a longer ban to Kieran Trippier than you do the Slavia Prague player? Like when it starts to hurt your own pocket, suddenly you come out all guns blazing, don't you? Yeah. And the same thing with FIFA as well. Right. And and it's just been a hypocrisy thing from the start. And the funny thing to me is all these people who are like, oh, the what about us or, or out and about. It's like, OK, no, that's not what this is. What this is, is it's fair to call out people for being hypocrites, right? Because it's what about to re Martino. It's yeah, what about oh, man. Oh, whatever. Over here, they say what about You spell favorite with a U and color. Why, wow, you know, we can't, <laughs> we can't change things. Um, but no, it's true, though, because at the end of the day, there's no good guys in this, right? And it's the same thing that Matt and I see when there's 
disruption within certain leagues over here, like the NBA, for example, when they can't get to an agreement on playing for a certain amount of money and how to split TV money and revenue, it's the players versus the owners. It's millionaires versus billionaires. You shouldn't be Mm. feeling bad for anyone. Like we shouldn't be feeling bad for UEFA on one side and you shouldn't sympathize with the ESL clubs on the other hand. Yeah, and they are not our allies. And just because they are enemies doesn't make either of them our allies. Like UEFA are trying to protect their own pockets, not the fans. Like that is the final. Or even Sky and these other... What about piracy, right? When they have this whole big um, agenda against people who watch illegal streams. But again, when other countries are... You know, Brazil, for example, send 300 million fucking dollars to a stadium that's going to go in the middle of the Amazon that still hasn't been used since the World Cup. Mm. That's okay when a country like Brazil is having tons of issues, but FIFA just turns a blind eye. Or how about when um, I even showed uh, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was when Jeremy Shapps an ESPN reporter, I don't know, Harry or Mo, if you saw this, but basically they reported upon the situation with Qatar and how that came about uh, along with the bribes being accepted by, um, you know, I mean, FIFA, just on FIFA a humanity members. level as well, the amount of people. Well, yeah, that that's died, not even, yeah, I was right? going to get to like, that it's... where they're bringing people in from Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and they're making them come in when they were like our age, 19, 20 years of age. They're going in, they're working 9am in the morning to 9pm at night when it's extreme heat, a hundred and something degrees. These guys are dying of cardiac arrest. They're living in rooms that are, you know, smaller than my actual bedroom with 14 guys in there, dirty toilets. And, and over 6,500 people died while building a city in the desert just so we can go and watch football. But these mm. are the same people that are mad that, you know, greedy people are going to go off and create their own league, which I'm not mm. okay with. But at the same time, we can't just like all of a sudden turn a blind eye to these uh, groups or whatever the hell you want to call yeah. UEFA and FIFA at this point and just say, oh, no, they get a pass for now because we have to be mad at the ESL. You should be mad at everybody because if we give a pass to UEFA and we give a pass to FIFA, then they're just going to skate on by mm. and then they become the good guys again and they're in control. And it's just going to be the same shit over and over again. And it's yeah. just... It's just really exhausting because people can't are failing to grasp the point that you could be mad at both. They're not mutually exclusive that one is good and one is bad. It's not black and white like that. There's a lot of corruption going on. And I even quote tweeted one of the things about when um, Michelle Plantini was involved in the 1998 World Cup, where he said he did a little bit of trickery to get a path for France and Brazil in the final. Like that, he's on record saying that. Like how many times do we need to actually come here and say, okay, why can't we call these guys out for what they're doing? And again, it's just, it's ruining a lot of great stories because how many Mm. times are we, you know, it's easy to try and get people into football in Europe, but it's harder in America. So the the best way to do it is bring in these stories. And a big thing about America or what it used to be about was underdogs, right? And whatever, start with revolution war, stupid stuff, right? But there's examples in sports with the miracle on ice. It's one of the biggest stories in history. The best example that we had was what recently? Leicester City is one of the greatest stories of all time in the sport. Maybe the best underdog story ever. And now that's never going to exist. And and it's just, and it's, it's pretty sad. So yeah, I mean, at the point, like there's just so many enemies in this. And again, who loses at the end of the day is us. And um we can't even imagine what kind of uh, money the streams would be costing for the ESL. Because did you see who's involved potentially with it? It's like yeah. Amazon, Disney, they want to go to all of them. And there's been JP a lot Morgan. of... Yeah, JP. Like, it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous. And 
Apparently, I'm, Fiorentino, I'm very curious. Florentino yeah. Perez is going to give a, a talk this evening. Apparently, that's some breaking news for you. So by the time this oh, goes unless, out, unless it's um, unless it's denouncing the ESL and saying, do you know what? <laughs> um, sorry, um, uh, I, 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 I don't think that's going to happen. But like, I, yeah. just 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 one thing I wanted to say, right? Like, Harry, off off air, you talked about kind of this has always been coming and ever since the Premier League kind of became an offshoot and its own entity. It, it's so true, right? This has been a culmination of things, whether it's been um, Chelsea getting taken over by Abramovich, whether it be City getting taken over by a state, same with PSG. Yeah. I, I won't even mention that to Mo, otherwise he'll, he'll, he'll go on a big rant. Um, this feels like the Death Star, right? Like this feels like the gut punch, the final blow to pretty much any values there were left in the game, which were dissipating anyway, Harry? Um, yeah, pretty much. Like I said, you know, this has been coming for a while, whether it's in this format or another format. Um, money governs everything nowadays. And, you know, this, this has come about through nothing other than greed and fear. Fear of, fear of failure, fear of what failure can can mean for your club, can mean for your business. And they're trying to do anything they can to, to basically make failure impossible. And that's what they've done. They've, they've, they don't like the underdog story because the underdog story means that they lose out. And these big billionaires, they want as Listen, if it's one thing that billionaires and owners of big corporate governments and sorry, big corporate businesses and things like that, if it's one thing that they want is that they want power alongside their wealth and, these billionaire owners of football clubs are clearly unhappy that they haven't had the power to run it how they want to run it. And they've just taken control and kind of like we can't, you know, certain organizations, they can't start saying, start, they can't start cry. Woe me now because they've been a part of this for a long, long time. And it just led to a stage where you've got big companies and big business people fighting against each other for power. And it was only a matter of time before the football clubs the big major football clubs done what they could to get that power back and to strong arm these corporations. Now, whether this goes through in its current format, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised because for it to not happen, there would have to be a real, real um, uproar against it. And I don't just mean people going mad on Twitter. I mean, genuine uproar from players, like, you know, big statements. You know, I think Harry Neville made a joke earlier about Leeds Martyrs when the kickoff happens tonight versus Liverpool. Leeds Martyrs well just stand to the side and let them score. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen, but could you imagine what a statement like that could do? You know, it's <laughs> going to it's going to it's going to require big big statements, and you can't rely on the fans to do it because the fans, at the end of the day, of course, they're going to be unhappy, but they'll still be these these people aren't stupid. They know they'll make their money. They know that the money's going to come somewhere, whether it's fans online, fans in stadiums, they don't care. As long as their pockets are lined and they get the power, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, they don't put the fans first. And at the end of the day, this will still make money. So I think the biggest, I think the, the, if you want to take control, it's got to come from the people within the game. And again, relying on fans to do it is a big ask because it's all well and good fans saying, I'm not going to be part of it. But then if you're a Chelsea fan and you are got a game versus Barcelona, you know, at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night, well, you're probably going to tune into it. A lot of people certainly would tune into it. You're going to let your pride suffer a little bit to watch your team play versus Barcelona. And, you know, you can't just... Your love of your team and your love of football, if you're a fan, 
You can't just turn it off like a tap. You know, it's all well and good saying, I'm not going to support them. I'm not going to watch the games. But it's a whole other thing once the dust settles and the games are coming and, you know, you're desperate to watch, you know, your team play on a Wednesday night and then on a Saturday at 3pm, you know, it's football is a huge part of people's lives and their club is a huge part of people's lives. Sometimes it's what their weekend is. Sometimes it's what their week gears towards. So then to say that they're going to take that out of their life is a big ask. So I think whatever happens... It's going to be a massive reform in terms of what the football that we knew before yesterday, whether it's a revamped Champions League um, or this European Super League, whatever it is. But put it this way, there's not a chance that the clubs... There's, there's zero chance, in my opinion, that something doesn't happen where the clubs have a lot more control than they did, in my opinion. I want to ask hmm. you guys this, because um, it's something that I think... It's, it's, it's a different discussion, but at the same time, it belongs in the conversation we're having here. Um, regarding, obviously, the big upcoming tournaments, right, international tournaments, because obviously we're seeing with the participants of the Super League and the players and all that stuff, and that's season to season. That happens every year. There's so many more games than, you know, a one-off tournament or whatever. Do you guys really see a, a, a possibility or the reality of the Euro having, you know, big time players, big time clubs simply sitting out or not participating or having a mixed bag because the idea of a Ronaldo not representing Portugal or Portugal saying, I'm not, we're not playing in this. We don't stand for this. I mean, do you really realistically think that's a possibility on the no international chance. level? Because international is different, right? These, these, a lot of these international players who maybe don't play for some of these clubs in this European super league or play at these big um, you know, European sides this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them. I mean, you're getting guys who this could be their last swan song on international stage, one one last tournament. And like especially how how do you class. sell how do you sell sponsors the idea that Ronaldo and Mbappe won't be at the Euros? Well, that's my point. It's but just not never going to happen. It's 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 back to to Harry's point, right? It's these players having to their pride's going to be on the line, right? Because if you have a guy like Bruno Fernandes who comes back and says, you know, about the dreams and you have all these players saying, mm. this is not supposed to happen, uh, uh, players in the past and, and, and current saying they don't agree with this. Well, now it's put your money where your mouth is, right? Like in a strange way, not that it's down to the players because at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of players that have not even been in the loop with some of the decisions being made by those above them. I mean, there's probably Liverpool players or Chelsea players who are saying, yeah, we kind of maybe heard some rumblings, but I had no say in this. What's their response? It's, it's so, that's why I'm saying it's so fresh, raw, and new that it's going to be really fascinating to see what the response is from the players, the players' unions. I know FIFA Pro put out a statement about it, but it's, you know, a lot of it's very vague and, and worded in a way that's, you know, not favoring one institution over the other. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about here because we have a Euro here and then you have a World Cup here. And mm. as if it wasn't already criminal. Governed by two different enough, bodies, right? What was that? Governed by two different bodies. Exactly. <laughs> and if, if, if it wasn't already sinful and criminal enough to have this 2022 World Cup being built in, in, in Qatar on the backs of slavery, uh, uh, unpaid wages. I mean, the fact that we may not even have it now, or at the very least have a watered down or diminished or devalued version of it without some key players, some key national teams, would be 
catastrophic for the sport, mm. in my opinion. So, so I, I just want to get your guys' perspective on the effects it could have on the international level in comparison to maybe more the news we're hearing about domestically. I just, I just don't think it's not going to happen. And remember, these are products, right? The, the Euros, the Champions Leagues, they're all products that are sold for to sponsors, you know, Gazprom and MasterCard and so on and so forth. And whoever's going to be TikTok are going to bloody sponsor Euros or whatever. Like, is, is that what I was hearing somewhere? Um, why would they, why would they want to pay those big bucks if you don't have Ronaldo, the most famous athlete ever? If you don't have Mbappe, the most famous young footballer in the world, like, and you uh, can't why get you... another Mbappe. You can't just say, okay, well, you don't want to be in this. We're going to get a new team or a new player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the crazy thing. Like, but imagine, imagine too- being like, oh, sorry, mate. You actually play for, you actually play for, um, you play for Juventus. You, you can't, you can't play in the Euros. Just, it's just not going to happen in my opinion anyway. Um, I, I wanted to kind of flip this on this head sw- slightly. I think it might be good to pick, pick your brains on this, Martino. Like what I think is going to happen here is we might get into ourselves into a situation where these things actually happen. They go ahead. And what uh, I, I think, Mo, you mentioned the the European conference that was going to be the rung below the Europa League that was going to kind of try and make the Europa League a little bit more prestigious and, and a bit bigger and, and try and make that a, a more uh, marketable type of thing and also allow other teams to compete in Europe at a lower level. What this European Super League has done is flipped it on its head and said, well, actually, instead of adding something to the bottom, let's add something at the top of this pyramid. And I I think what we might see in the end, Martino, is some sort of like back in the basketball days where you had the NBA and the ABA, where you have like these two entities that are separate but then one engulfs the other like i do truly think that 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 will probably end up happening you have like a situation where you have the european super league you have the champions league the europa league mm. and they have to come to some sort of agreement because you're not gonna just um with all due respect mo to marseille and to, to villa and leicester and other teams like it's gonna take years for them to get superstars on their rosters and become as big and and as marketable as uh, a PSG, a Juventus, uh, an Arsenal, etc. Um, they will engulf each other in one way or another, and owners will have looked at this and said, "Well, what is the worst case scenario here? We go out and do this, and then the Champions League say, okay, come back, and we'll actually give you a bigger percentage of the revenue because you know, from a financial and business perspective, it makes sense that Arsenal make more money than Leicester because more eyeballs will watch those games or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it in a cold business sense." sense that's what they will come back with or the other way that the european super league say well okay like we'll we'll convert and and become more of a champions league type entity or or in this new format um but we want to have like a a 50 50 control of it that the clubs and the clubs have to be as culpable and have as much responsibility as the actual governing body of uefa could we do you think that's a possibility like do you think that's kind of where this is going I think I think they've oh, actually man. already. Sorry to me. Sorry to jump in no, 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 on go that on. last no, point. Go for it, go um, for it. They they missed their boat to do that. Well, mm. at least to make the European Super League, um, you know, something akin to the Premier League breakaway. I mean, if they felt that you know what, we've suffered, we've suffered more than others. We're the ones that bring in eighty percent of the revenue. Um, we want something where we can run it ourselves without you know. UEFA's input or, or or whatever, they've they would have made this uh, Super League what a twenty four team tournament or a a thirty team tournament whatever it is, 
with the possibility of some promotion relegation, some qualification mechanism, you know, the idea that none of these 15 teams will ever get relegated, they don't, they don't even have costs, other reputational costs, any costs to get involved, but they will reap 350 million each. Um, and even the, the clubs that do get invited will only receive, what, 15 to 20%. Of, of the income, even if they go on to win it, according to the, the early information that we've seen, they've there's there's nothing. There's, there's it's a complete closed shop. Whereas the Premier League in 1991 went ahead and was at the top of the division, the top of the pyramid, with the idea that yes, it had the support of the FA, yes, it would run and manage its own commercial objectives, but every year three teams will go up, three teams will come down, and of the three teams, they will each earn five percent voting rights and all the ownership rights associated with being a Premier League club in terms of voting and, and revenue. And it's it's that that's actually gone on to make the league the most successful in the world and what it is today. And the European Super League does absolutely none of that. It's run by people who cannot stand that European football is almost altruistic in that why are you giving your money away? You're the one that bring in, you know, brings in pretty much all of it amongst the 12 teams. You know, you make so much money, you are largely in the last day of the Champions League, you have one bad season and that's it, you get none of it. You know, despite the fact that it's your efforts that have helped bring in the relative eyeballs, particularly in your markets. And we've moved in every three to five years, the same cycle means the Super League has been in uh, talk since 2008. Um, every, every three to five years have been some sort of compromise that has been given to these clubs the fact that you've got four group stage qualifications direct, the fact that the, the third and fourth place in, 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 in Premier League, for example, don't have to go through the qualifiers as, as used to be, the fact that now you get um, a certain part of the Champions League pie, which is given to you based on your coefficients or historical rankings. So obviously Real Madrid, every time the Champions League will always come first because they've always you know, been the premier Champions League team. They've won the most Champions League, so they'll get an additional 5 million euros um, more than anybody, you know, where, where does it stop? Where, where does it stop? That's always, you know, we've, we've, we've given so much, so much, and they will take more and more. And even beyond the Super League, you know, they will continue to take more because these guys have now, you know, we've all known it. We, we know the business models. Everyone knows it. But it's now out in the open and to the cold light of day that they see sport as a naked capitalist venture. And even if you make twice or three times as much revenue in this Super League as you will get in the Champions League, they will not be satisfied four years from now if that 350 million is not 500 million mm. and so on and so forth. So, you know... And, and you know, just when we thought, like, cycles. football economics was a bubble, right? Like, we thought it kind of peaked with the Neymar transfer and now it's kind of like, oh, well, uh, damn, we need more. I just want to say this as well, like... To me, it feels like the Premier League clubs are doing some of these other big clubs a favour because of the revenues that they have and, and generate and they have in the bank. Barcelona have got £1 billion worth of debt, right? Real Madrid are in trouble. Like, the Italian clubs aren't doing amazingly. Uh, Atleti, I don't really know their, their financial situation inside out. but I mean, they they got, they got to be screwed, probably. They, they, the amount they, of money they, that they spent and... They're not progressing in the tournaments and then COVID. They're not in a good situation. And the stadium no as well. Um, there's just there's no one, I think, in a healthy situation outside a few Premier League clubs, 
maybe PSG. I know Mo has a better perspective and knowledge of that. And then Bayern, because I know yeah. Bayern is perfectly okay. Um, but- I know Milan and Inter were like on their way back, but Italian clubs don't even own their own stadiums. Their TV deals suck ass. Like yeah. there's nobody's in good shape. So, so just on this point, don't own the stadiums. Uh, TV deals aren't as lucrative in Spain and Italy in particular. The, the, the TV deals aren't as lucrative. Mo, you can probably give us some more insight into the French ones. But the point I'm making is like, why are these clubs bailing out Barcelona, Madrid predominantly for bad decisions that they've made in the past? Like, this is a free pass to all these clubs, right? Like, how hard some of these clubs have had to grind to become financially stable and also work well on the pitch to get themselves to a point where they might actually compete in a sustainable way is, you know, the economics of it don't really work. Like, now we're saying that Barcelona can chuck away a billion quid and still be one of Europe's elite like why is that the case like this is not what sports are about right like I don't know Harry like do you think this bailout analogy is wrong or do you agree with it no like we said this there's no merit in this decision there's no sporting merit in in this decision and it it doesn't matter it's greed more power and there's nothing else to it. There, there can be no Harry sounds like he's in the, the matrix um, right now. For the good of the sport. Listen, we all know, they know that we know, and we know, and we know. It's like, the, the reason is greed and wealth, and I can't really say anything more than that. It's, it's greed and wealth. Hello? Sorry, mate, you, you cut out and sound like a robot for a little Hello? bit. Yeah, you're back. You're back. That's weird. Is that better now? Yeah, way That's better. I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so um, literally, yeah, I, it's, I don't know what, other to, what else to say other than that it's just pure greed and wealth, you know, that there's no merit in this. There's no sporting merit. This isn't what sport is supposed to be about. You know, sport is supposed to be about that anybody can achieve anything, whether you're a player, a team, a group, a set of fans that you can... You can go to bed at night and dream of your of your club doing something special. And this stabs that idea in the back completely. But no, it does worse than that. It completely devalues that idea, the idea that you can achieve. And, you know, for me, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than it's just governed by pure greed and wealth. And it's not what sport is about. But like I said, I'm not surprised. It was coming in whatever format. And... I think one of the worst things about this is that what this will what this will at least do is that even if this doesn't happen in this current format, it will happen in some other format where the big clubs have a lot of power. And the scary thing is people will probably will probably go, oh, I'm, I'm really relieved about that, about something that they would have been disgusted with in the first place. They're just so against this idea that they'll take something that's also awful and also, you know, killing the idea of what sport is supposed to be about just so this thing doesn't happen is I think you can tell that there's not many people on board with it and it's going to take um it's going to take something pretty strong to stop happening pet you mentioned you mentioned you know the the wealthy the the big money in those TV rights deals for the Premier League and you know pretty much the fair pass being given to some of these other clubs namely Barcelona Real Madrid you wait for financial fair play this is I'm reading it verbatim as I see it in front of me the UEFA financial fair play regulations were established to prevent professional football clubs spending more than they earn in the pursuit of success. 
and in doing so, and this is the key part here, and in doing so, getting into financial problems which might threaten their long-term survival. So people always just simply associate financial fair play with saying, well, we got to prevent mass spending because obviously then the balance of power just is completely off. But it's also supposed to be implemented to make sure teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid don't get in a position they are now where they are on the brink of potentially being bankrupt. So to your point, when you let these teams, these big powers get away, I mean, you could throw City, you could throw PSG. I know PSG is not involved in in the Super League currently. When you let them get away with so much at some point, then you lose control over everything. There's no governing. There's no turning back. And I think that's kind of where I have seen this go. You know, you let certain teams have rules applied to them and vice versa. Me and Martino talked about the effects that Milana faced with financial fair play, having to voluntarily step away from the Europa League. Now, it's not a competition that a lot of, a lot of Milan fans want to be in per se, but having to do so because of financial fair play. And then the same thing for Roma, having to sell Mohamed Salah, Allison, some of their top players to the point where they can't even compete regularly. Whereas certain other clubs are allowed to just have free reign, spend as they please, and regardless of their potentially red position financially. Mm. So when you let those things slide for such a long time, in my opinion, you get to positions like that we are discussing today with the Super League. Because you let them off. There's no accountability. There's no, we're putting our foot down to prevent this and, and make sure this actually makes sense. How many years have we been discussing financial fair play, that it's not being implemented correctly. The rules don't apply for everyone. Some teams can skate on by unscathed with penalties and fines. It's a joke. And I think that's what we're seeing here. This is the end result of that. The end result of years of bad decision-making, not implementing the rules that have been administered. And now we have this conversation here where you pretty much say, all right, well, we've lost control of being able to effectively control these teams from forming such such an alliance, such a, a huge, massive league. That's mm. what I see from this. Yeah. So I so think, I, oh, go on, go, go on, Martina. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, and, and this is a point I've made even on this podcast multiple times over, over the past year and a half or whatever it's been, or almost two years now that you're right. The rules don't apply to everyone. And initially every single time that there comes a band, like comes down, like say, what was it for city? It was two years out of the UCL and a transfer ban and a fine. It's along the lines of that. It was definitely two years out of the UCL. You come down with something like that. Then they go to appeal it and they're on their way to maybe their first ever Champions League, whatever, if it were to happen, um, if they even keep playing, because there's reports that they're going to kick them out, take the teams that they eliminated and put them back in the competition, uh, apparently. So, so again, yeah, if the rules don't apply, which is which always bothered me, on a surface level, it was this. I understand what financial fair play was for. In theory, it's a, it's a good idea to try and keep clubs financially healthy. And that's fine that Milan, you know, whatever. They had to get out of the Europa League because they didn't follow the guidelines and rules and regulations of it. That's okay. But what's not okay is when you have to have clubs like City or PSG, when Barca got caught for lying about a third party at Neymar's transfer, correct? Wasn't it something along the lines of that? They lied about how much they paid to the third mm. party. It was like 30, 40 million euros. It's ridiculous. And then I know PSG had their issues and then even Real Madrid as well. Somehow those are okay. And then again, Matt even makes a, a great point with Roma. You can't even forget Inter as well and how long it took for them. They, they had the opportunity to renew Jao Cancelo when they had a with loan option to buy. 
um, from Portugal. And then uh, I believe it was Portugal. If not, I'm wrong. Um, and they had the option to do that, but they couldn't because they couldn't afford him because of fair play. So why is it how it's so much harder now because those clubs had to take an extra two to three years to get their shit together. Meanwhile, all the other stronger clubs go deeper into the champions league, meaning they get more revenue. They get more money, meaning they're going to have an easier time cropping and taking away all the top talents around Europe. If, if they're able to do that, then the rich just get richer and the teams that are supposed to be back and competing with them aren't getting richer at that point. And, that, and now it becomes an even bigger divide. And, and it is UEFA's fault. But at the same time, like, it's also the clubs being greedy too. Matt's, Matt's just 100% right with this because at the end of the day, they didn't do what they were asked to do. And now it put them in this position that we're in that nobody wants, fans-wise. And the clubs will want it. And... At the end of the day, like what are the like UEFA has to give the same amount of money that the ESL I would assume is proposing to give to all these clubs at that point, right? Because you're asking all these clubs to walk away from hundreds of millions of dollars, and the owners are not going to do that, right? Like they're not they're not going to sit here and try and take a deal from UEFA where it doesn't see them get a ton of money like that. Mm. Like 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 is that a scenario that's even going to go down? No, no way. Mm. There's just so many holes. I mean, the, the, the obvious denominator is like chasing money. I think the the other thing for me is like a lot of people buy clubs and then try and build them to make them better on the pitch and off the pitch. Like, why would anyone invest any money into a football club now? Because there's no way you can turn Leicester into like a Champions League regular like what what Daniel Levy has done with Spurs over the last 20 years like it's probably not going to be possible now like that just defeats the purpose of football doesn't it like from a top-down perspective it just seems really odd but um uh, yeah I, I think it's insanity all around to be fair and I, I think I want to finish up and again we might go on tangents again because there's so much to discuss here but particularly to Harry Matt uh, myself like with your clubs being involved in this harry in spurs how does that affect your relationship with with the club as a fan as a supporter i mean it doesn't too much if i'm being completely honest because i've kind of i've been involved in professional football for a number of years now with coaching and scouting and now and now be running an agency and um football is an ugly world when you're in the inside of it um, and it kind of it kind of beats you up a little bit. So I kind of distanced myself as a fan from football for a bit of a while. Now, of course, I still support Tottenham and I still cheer if they score a goal. Um, although I say that, I don't even do that really anymore. But, but um, you know, so it, to be honest, it hasn't changed too much for me because I've, I've looked at football in quite a, in quite a business-minded sense for a while, mm. which is obviously quite cold-blooded. And... You know, the, the pure the love I feel for football at the moment comes from when I'm helping the players I work with, the players trying to make it, the players trying to better themselves. And thank God there's nothing that these companies can do to ever stop that happening. You know, that's <laughs> there will always be players whose there will always be players whose dream is to become a footballer and to and to push on and go as high as they can. And that's where I get my joy from from football. So I'm very lucky in that sense. But I can completely empathize with with people that aren't involved in terms of work with football and they just do it purely for a passion, how they're almost just, I don't know, just not that they don't love their club anymore, but it's going to be very hard for them to get on board with this. And I have complete sympathy with that. And it's going to be a 
massive clash emotions because you know most people that love football have loved their club since they can remember and you can't really turn that love off like a tap it's very difficult to so you know it, I, I have a lot of sympathy for those people again I'm very lucky that I'm not quite in that situation so I don't know you guys might be better, better positioned mm. to tell me what you're going to what's going to be like for you for me it's not going to make too much of a difference because as I said I'm not as much of a Spurs fan in the traditional sense as I was years ago because I can't be <laughs> but you know, you guys might say, but you guys are probably better off to tell me what it's going to be like for fans in, in, in that sense. I mean, for me, it was a definite gut punch when when I saw that tweet from Arsenal, and um, it was it was just horrible to see. And I, I guess like there's a couple couple things right where I feel really not hard done by, but it just feels wrong. Like investing the emotion in the journey of seeing an Arsenal or a Milan go from being at the top to being kind of mid-tier to kind of try and build themselves up in a way feels pretty pointless the, the investing the emotion of uh going on a europa league run that might culminate in a, in a trophy and a champions league spot it's no longer there the idea that a bakayo saka or a smith Rowe might burst out of the academy and become like a, a one-day world-class star or make the england squad it, it feels a, a lot more distant. And, and that's such a strange feeling to feel, right. Mo. Gone, gone. Go on. No, so on, on that point, I'd like to ask you a question if that's okay, because obviously, let Sorry, mate. Harry, you're cutting out again, mate. Part of the founding members of this really ugly organization. You know, the way the football made this happen. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a bit better now, mate. Is that better? Yeah, better. Is that better? Better, better, better. Sorry about that. Sorry, you're going to have to have a job with the Eddie today. Um, no worries. No, I was just going to ask, obviously, with, um, yeah, with, with the situation, obviously. This is how Spurs aren't the reason. They're just founding members of this ugly thing. This is going to happen with or without them or not. Yeah. So knowing that's irony. I, I know what you mean, and I, I definitely get the argument where it's like, uh, if it wasn't us, it'd be someone else. But like, I, I guess that the, the, the point that I'm getting across is like, when you invest so much emotion and, I guess, fealty to a club, for, for whichever reason... And you then see them kind of disrupt or being a part of something that disrupts the very values of like, I guess, why you why you started supporting them is is a really uh, it's a very difficult thing for me to kind of like digest. And and I can't really compartmentalize the fact that like this would have happened with or without Arsenal. The very fact that they are they are part of it is, is very tough. But I mean, uh, Martino, Matt, like Milan as well. Um. Uh, what What does this make you feel about about your club, the club that you love? I don't love them any less. It's kind of like disagreeing with a family member on something. So, like they didn't kill anything except maybe the sport. But like, <laughs> but I'm listen. I the players have no say in this. I think this is just a hedge fund that they're owned by, wanting to make the most money possible. And I'm not shocked by it. Like you have to know at the end of the day, if your club is going to be good 
or winning trophies and the, and the trophy and the biggest trophies in this sport, they're probably going to be um, morally on the wrong side of things, ethically not there, even if they're, you know, coming to agreements saying like, Oh, we're against online bullying, this and that. When at the end of the day, they're effectively killing off a lot of what made the club so great to begin with. Right. Like at the end of the day in 1899, when Herbert Kilpin founded the club, it, wasn't supposed to be anything like this. It wasn't supposed to be excluding um, other clubs from potentially, you know, reaching some glories. And it's just disappointing. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening eventually, but I mean, I, I lose respect. I'm just, I'm more disappointed than I am hateful towards the club because I can't, it's hard to, it's hard to hate something that's, you know, inanimate. <laughs> so, so, yeah. but, but it's not, not the hate, but like, do you okay like you've invested this like mm-hmm. energy and emotion into like the rebuilding of Milan on and off yeah. the pitch like does that it's not deflating. make you feel yeah it's like the, the deflating, deflating feeling that's what I'm getting at like does it, does it not make you feel like deflating. slightly shit like what the fuck was the point in all of that it was de- it was deflating yeah because there isn't any point in all of that now because now it's just about okay who's going to make the most money and uh, it's just it's the journey to get back to the top was feeling so good yeah like, can, can i just say place. one thing right one thing mm-hmm. one thing you've distilled it so well there martina right who has the most money like you are no longer like the whole thing is the reason arsenal and milan are in this is not because they're the best teams it's because they have the biggest names and they have the biggest yeah. fan bases and they yep. they have the the most marketable and sellable brands like mm-hmm. that just is it's it's contra to everything that sports and, and football is supposed to be. Does that they not got, make they you got, feel they like... Got to, they got to that point because they weren't that. Sure. But does that no, not no, make no. you feel slightly less impassioned to be a Milan fan? Matt, do you want only, to jump in only, as well? Only, I want to hear your only, thoughts on this. Only because of what the league represents. No one even gets relegated from this thing. No one, like, the games are pointless. Like, Rio Ferdinand was mentioning it last night. Like, the whole point of, you know, the drama in this sport is promotion, relegation, winning. Each match is technically a final at the end of the day, right? Because everyone plays the same schedule. It's not like American sports where there's a postseason or playoffs. It's all about the here and now, what you do in those 90 minutes over the course of 38 matches or however many matches there are in the, in the Premier League, right? No, like a, I mean, not sorry, not the Premier League, Bundesliga. Um, that's what made it so great. And just the rise of seeing like how the butterflies I was getting in my stomach when they were first in February before Inter eventually they took over. Like what a story it would have been after all those years to finally go back into the Champions League and win the title after nearly a decade of, you know, just embarrassment. And now that's really, it's just taken away because now they're going to be really good because they get, what what was the number? Is it three and a half billion spread out amongst the 15 teams? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's around 350 million euros. I mean, I, I made this point, right? Uh, exactly. I think I tweeted it, that let's say Porto, one of those 15, right? They are worth as a club 300 million pounds. So if they joined the league, they'd be getting a lump cash sum worth the entirety of their club like they'd be pretty crazy not to take it wouldn't they um which is is the sad matter of fact but i want to ask a couple questions that we got from from uh from twitter 
Uh, one's from Johnny Bentley, and I'd, I'd love your perspective on, on this, Mo, because I know you used to live in China. But uh, Johnny also used to live in China, and he said, if the uh, Europe, uh, European Super League is introduced, I called it the European Soccer League on another podcast today, which made me feel a bit sick. Uh, would we expect kickoff times and venues that aim to satisfy audiences in Asia and America? After all, these are the two biggest sporting markets to exploit. Having worked there, I know that the Chinese already have a growing obsession with football. Um, yeah, although their, their league is going to part at the moment, the, the reigning champions have gone bust. Um, so they are definitely looking uh, for some other avenues. I mean, absolutely, 100%. I mean, all the leagues, in particular in La Liga and, and in France this season, they have already slightly moved around kickoff times to to cater to the Asian market, quote unquote. Um, and it's not it's not something new. I mean, what you're going to have is maybe not in the first iteration, but certainly when the revenues are stable and the, the teams are stable and and uh, you, you know the, the Super League becomes in in full flow. If it does get to that point, you're going to have games being taken to far flung, flung places. You're going to have kickoff times to cater to uh, the US viewer or, or the Asian viewer or so, you know, where, where, where the money is essentially. And we had this 10 years ago, we had this in England uh, with, with Game 39, if you remember, um, where the Premier League had a secret plan with a couple of clubs, most likely the, the, the top clubs in, in the Premier League, to add an additional round where those 10 games would be played around the world. So five cities would bid for two games each every year and it would be a bidding war. And yeah, you have a, you know, the, the same sort of equivalent of what you have with the NFL games in London um, each each season. Obviously, that was next because FIFA said, you, you know, you've got to be kidding me. And if you're going to go ahead with that, it's going to mark you negatively for, for your bid to host the World Cup. Um, so again, you know, like I said, these are not new ideas. These are ideas that have been swirling around and they're waiting to pounce at the right time. And I feel that that's something... That will happen um you know there's going to be so many um sort of new iterations new plans etc that can squeeze as much money as possible because at the end this is what is underwriting this whole tournament money so that is going to be absolutely the agenda to be playing in weird locations and it's not just obviously football at this point you have you know mma boxing etc being played in far fun places saudi arabia etc um and that's just going to be the the logical next step. So absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think you are right. I mean, Gary Neville was on Sky Sports the other day talking about how United would always play the twelve thirty kickoff to 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 suit Asian time. So like, Mo's right in in saying that this isn't new, um, but it's something that that will be continually commercialised. I guess if this ESL went on. Um, Harry, we've got one that's probably towards you. It says, favourite books and why? This is from Greg, but I suppose maybe you can skip this one. He said, what are your thoughts on what Spurs should do next with their manager or club structure, employ a director of football and have a head coach type model? Like, What are your thoughts there, Harry? Well, I'm glad we're skipping the books question because I don't read sod all. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's one really bad thing about me. People always ask me what, what football literature do I read in? My response is always the same. I've ne- I don't read that. I really start need- I need to because it's great literature out there. But anyway, um, Spurs for the future. Um, yeah, people kept asking me that when Josie was at the club and I felt that really uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable talking about those kind of things when somebody's already in a job, but obviously he left today. So 
what I would do before the ESL, um, I would have got Brendan Rogers and a technical director. Well, that's what I would have looked to have done. I, I, I think Roger, Rogers, <laughs> I think Rogers is a fantastic coach, a fantastic manager, but when he has complete power, I think that sometimes he can make questionable decisions, like we saw with Liverpool's transfer policy when they sold Luis Suarez and uh, some of those decisions. But I think Brendan Rodgers, under a technical director, can be a frightening, can be a really good proposition. Um, my one issue with Brendan Rodgers is that, obviously, especially with the ESL, if you want to even call that a proper competition, he hasn't yet proven that at the highest level he can manage in multiple competitions. And that is a big, big thing, being able to do mm. that. Um, so if you're, t- if you're taking the, less than the ESL was a real competition and it was, a, and, it, and, it, and it meant something, you'd probably look for a manager that could manage in multiple competitions and has that experience. And I guess the best one available in that regards would be Allegri at the moment, but he hasn't had a club for a while now. So I don't know. I would probably own the title of Brendan Rogers, Brendan Rogers with the technical director. That's what I would like to see happen. Mm. Let me ask you this though, Harry, though, because I think yeah. this has been tossed around as well. Um, suppose some of the teams that are the participants in this European Super League, the six from the Premier League, suppose they get kicked out of the Premier League. We don't know if it's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> they got one competition effectively to work, to look after, correct? Who would you want in a one-off, in a, in a one-off competition? Would Rodgers, would Allegri be the guy? Who, who would you go with? Does Daniel Levy still have Jose Mourinho's phone number? <laughs> <laughs> no, if it's that, a one-off competition... I think that bridge might be burnt. Yeah, if it's a one-off competition, I guess out of them two, out of the possible availability, possible ones available, it had to be Max Allegri uh, or Max Allegri. Sorry. Um, yeah, out of the ones available, one-off competition. If Spurs were to get kicked out of the Premier League, I mean, I wouldn't. If Spurs were to get kicked out of the Premier League, I wouldn't care what happens. I really wouldn't like. Yeah, I wouldn't mean. watch the. I wouldn't watch the ESL. They could hire whoever they want. It wouldn't bother me. But um, <laughs> if they say that did happen and it meant something to be in the ESL. You'd probably go down the Allegri route if he was available. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, look, gents, I've, I've got no other questions. I've got no, I don't really know what else I want to say. So I'm going to open up to like any other business. Mo, Matt, Martino, Harry, is there anything else anyone wanted yeah. to say before we yeah. get off? Yeah. Who's winning the first ESL? Oh, fuck, who, <laughs> who gives a fuck, man? <laughs> Arsenal last place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be fun. Uh, Mo, any last thoughts? No, I mean, what 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 is the most, like I said, what is the most sort of piss take for, from my vantage point is that these clubs have, have well, and I, think, you know, I, I mainly defer this to Arsenal and, um, and a little bit to Milan, I suppose. But, you know, they've struggled for three, four, five years. Dude, what about but, Spurs? Harry's know, right here. Come well, on, well, yeah, off as well. That is true. <laughs> But I think, like Gary Neville said, it all oh, doesn't he? you know you don't really bother. <laughs> but, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's 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 it's, it's the turbo charge. You know, pass your problems bypassing all the problems, going straight to a close solution. I just yeah, yeah these sort of items need to be put in a bin. And I think we definitely need to start looking at regulation. And you know, the door was left open long before with oligarchs and corrupt people being being brought into the capital of these football clubs but I think yeah absolutely enough enough has to be enough and I just I need to be some sort of independent regulatory body right and yeah absolutely and I know you know I'm getting older um but I just want to find these you know these young kids who who 
say they don't watch football, who Agnelli is trying to cater to, you know, the ones that he says that they only watched the last. Yeah, who the fuck are these like new so, fans? So I've never um, exactly. I I want to find yeah. them out. I don't want to say this, gents, but I'm afraid they will exist because you become accustomed to your environment. Now, if there's a five-year-old that grows up and then in five years' time he becomes accustomed to the ESL, that now 10-year-old will look at the ESL as the new Champions League. You know, when mm. when the Champions... I was speaking to my colleague yesterday. He remembers when the Champions League was um, reformatted where it included teams that weren't champions and everyone was going put their arms up in the air going, what, what do you mean Champions League? They're, these guys aren't the champions. What are they doing playing in it? But now look yeah. at all of us speaking about the Champions League. Mm, Unfortunately, mm. you will become a product of your own environment now. For people like us, you will not ever be able to accept it. We've, we've known the Champions League. We've known the Europa League. We've known what it means where a Leicester mm. can achieve. Kids growing up now, they will only know, for example, if you're, if you're growing up in America where there's no relegation, there's not going to be, there's no difference to them. If you know what I mean, they don't know what it means to sort of like that you can fail in that sense. So yeah. <laughs> it's not going to affect them, and that's what's going to be the. Unfortunately, it, it would just it would just if it carries on, it would just run through through generations, and football will continue to innovate itself until it's a game where it literally can't be recognised. I know that's a really horrible thing to say, but mm. until it's mm. kind of until until it's cut off from the supply line, and people truly take a stand to cut it off from the start. It will just continue. These things will continue to happen. It will continue to. Mm. Well, that's a pretty point. decent point. To be fair, I can't really argue with that. Like, so do yeah, they? Actually... It's just so alien, right, to us, Mo. Like, it's hard for us to, to kind of digest it. I guess. Yeah, I would like to go back all the way to 1992 uh, with the Champions League reform. <laughs> um, eight teams, OM and Milan, um, where the, you know those eight teams are. Uh, um, uh, actually immortalised with the Champions League star ball because um, you know, those eight teams are the eight stars that make up the logo of the Champions League so definitely take me back then I think that's that's something I can get get onto <laughs> maybe maybe less for nothing than that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was going to say cool with that doping scandal but uh... <laughs> <laughs> nothing um, was proven <laughs> yeah I know, I know I'm just busting the chops uh, but I, I do have one more question I guess before we head out though so we did put up the poll um, on the Twitter account. We said, do we actually think this will come to fruition? And they wanted it as soon as August of this year, I guess, or whatever. Just say within the next 12 months or so, or 16 months. Does this actually happen? Do we see this league kick off and start? And is it only that competition for the clubs involved in it? Like, are the domestic leagues even going to accept that? Because as far as we know, they still want to stay in their domestic leagues, although it'll be absolutely useless because of the talent and, and revenue gap between the teams. Ultimately, I don't think this ends up happening. Mm, I agree. I agree. I, I, I agree. You know what I, I agree. And it sounds bleak now and it looks bleak now because obviously there's statements, there's the site, there's the socials. I mean, it's something to at the very least take somewhat seriously. Although again, I know there's going to be very people who are speculative and cautiously optimistic that it won't happen and football can, can go on as is. But what I was talking about earlier, this is my final point. You know, and I know Harry alluded to it, well, I'm sure you guys did in parts as also the fans can only do so much. I mean, we've seen for protesting, we're seeing it now on Liverpool and, and some of these other the major clubs in, in England. 
ultimately it's it's gonna come down to why a lot of these fans us and us talking here watch for the, the for the names for the the legacy for the culture of these clubs and it's the players and the one thing i i i question about the players and i'm, I'm basically asking the players not that anyone's listening but um at do, are, are a player that you 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 worked your entire life to get to this position you know a champions league match a a title that a top four finish you know some of these guys you know even like a jamie vardy over the years making that sort of steep climb to be a be a a player in his position right this is your life this is what you enjoy doing this is your job you have it in you to elect not to do your job and elect not to play the, the one sole thing or one of the few things that gives you your life meaning and i think that's a really a soul-searching question only a player can really answer because you're going to get a lot of players that say uh i really didn't have a say in this but i'm going to sit this one out and they're going to go on as is then you're going to have players who are really afraid to speak out and then you're going to have players who are going to be very outspoken and they're not going to play so it's going to be a very mixed bag of feelings emotions and opinions on what to do and i think that's going to be a really fascinating thing to focus on um in in coming weeks and months and of course if this thing ever does a fact kick off which to me august of this year just sounds absurd just unbelievable right yeah. unbelievable um well i've got nothing more to say really i've, I've, I've talked about this for the last like five hours so i think i'm 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 pretty done um uh harry where can people find out more about you it's an absolute pleasure getting you back on mate thank you i have no idea i always forget my twitter i think it's HB underscore head. There we go. HB underscore head coach. <laughs> uh, and Mo, where can people find out more about you? Again, yeah. uh, thank you so much for coming on, mate. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, and I'll be on Twitter rambling every night um, about various different things. Uh, Mohammed Ali underscore ninety three. And Matt at Matt underscore Santangela. Make sure you guys follow at Milan Reports. We will be doing uh, our weekly podcast, of course, me and Martino, and we do our post-match reactions and our preview shows as well and martina yeah you can just follow me at martino puccio right now um on twitter there's going to be more american sports pets favorite baseball um <laughs> don't know if i'll be writing about the champions league any sign time soon for the athletics so i guess we have to kind of that's on hold for now um but other <laughs> let's than that, see what yeah, happens stay maybe, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll be, maybe you'll be mm-hmm. writing about the esl there Imagine start writing about the yes. <laughs> just gonna get a bunch of hate comments on, uh, from it. They just uh, unlocked the article. That would be so, so good. Go, <laughs> Sorry. go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Oh, it's like, man. all right, well, my bad. I don't control this. I need to get paid, you know? So, yeah. Um, that's that. Oh. Uh, you can follow me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. I specialize in viral tweets, as we can see from today. Um, you can also follow Fresh Arsenal Podcast, where uh, I'm part of an Arsenal podcast, which is always great fun. So do go check those things out. And obviously follow us at State of Play Pod. Actually, maybe don't follow us at Fresh Arsenal Podcast. Otherwise, I, I hear the, the kind of disdaining grunts in Mo's voice, actually, as we close out here. Um, because I mentioned one of the 12. Um, thank, you much, <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, or as good a day as you can if you're a football fan, because uh, it's been a weird, weird day. Um, hope everyone's doing well, staying safe, and all that good stuff. Cheers. Cheers.